What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. There's a Sports Ethos presentation, and I am your host, Joe Orico. You can find me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. Those two accounts where we post out all of our baseball and fantasy baseball content. And we're going to continue to do that throughout the offseason. There will still be these podcasts every single weekday, articles, different Twitter work. Everything is going to be out specifically on Ethos Fantasy BB. That's the one I want you guys to go and check out today. We're still trying to grow that account up. And if you are somebody who is trying to break into the industry, you're trying to do some podcast work, maybe you're trying to do some blurbing, maybe you want to write articles, cover a team, we are bringing people on here pretty aggressively at Sports Ethos, whether it be baseball, basketball, football, hockey, soccer, tennis, whatever it is that you do. Uh, we are we are expanding here, so please do reach out to either myself or Dan Bespris if you do want to uh, come aboard here, or at least you know put yourself in the running for one of our positions, which we have a ton of positions open. So please do reach out if you want to know more. Uh, now speaking of Ethos Fantasy BB, the most recent thing that was posted on there were my rankings. I've talked about these rankings over the last week and a half or so. Uh, they're a little bit later in the week than I had anticipated, so my apologies there. I was thinking they were going to be out earlier on Monday. Uh, they ended up coming out last night, I think around 5.30, 6 o'clock, and they are there. They're in my pinned tweets, uh, both both of those Twitter accounts I mentioned earlier. Uh, they are on both of those accounts, and they're on sportsethos.com. So we're going we're gonna to talk about those today. I had planned originally on doing all 50 of them today, but I think I'm going to break them up 25 and 25, or I guess we'll really just see uh, how much I jabber on. I do like to keep these shows specifically in the off season to about a half an hour. And I can't get through 50 players in half an hour. You guys know how I like to ramble and bitch and moan about certain things. So, I mean, there won't be too much bitching and moaning because we're dealing with the cream of the crop here, top 25, top 50, however many I get through. Uh, there's not so much complaining to be done here, but I do tend to ramble on a little bit. So I don't want to say I'm going to go through 50 and then, you know, have to give you 30-second little clips for every single player. That's not very enjoyable. We're going to take our time a little bit. I think 25 is probably likely. We're in no rush here. Uh, you know, we can continue this on Monday or, you know, even Monday, Tuesday, however long it takes us. We have six months still without baseball. So today's show will be focused on those rankings. We're going to take a pause on the positional shows. We've done catcher first, second and third. Uh, I think we did three shows for every position except catcher, which had two. And go check out the third base shows because they dropped a little bit later in the day this week. I know that the viewers are a little bit lower on them because they tend to come out a little bit earlier in the day. I mean, in the off season here, I've been a little bit busier. Uh, going back into school, I'm a full-time student right now, so these shows are coming out a little bit later on in the day than they would have been in the summer. They're still there. They're just there'll still be one every single day. They just might come out a little bit later. So my apologies there. Uh, it's just you know a natural. It's the brass tacks of it. Uh, I, I, I'm doing these shows as you know, I'm still doing them every single day, but it's just a matter of when I can actually sit down and carve out some time to prep and then some time to actually record. So. I appreciate you guys bearing with me. That's enough of the preamble. See, I, I, I told you guys I like to ramble. If maybe you're listening for the first time, four minutes now almost of rambling. We're going to get into the fantasy baseball content, though. We're going to talk about these rankings. The number one player that I have for next season is Trey Turner. And I don't anticipate that changing, really. I know that he might leave the Dodgers. There's been talk about him going maybe to the Phillies. Or uh, there's been a couple of teams I've seen talked about in the uh, I guess the last couple of weeks it's really started to pick up these talks, and specifically since the Dodgers were eliminated, I've seen a couple of articles put out talking about Trey Turner. It doesn't really matter to me so much where he goes. If he's on the Dodgers still, then he's pretty pretty clearly going to be number one. 
Uh, there's a couple of guys going right below him who are in the same general tier. Jose Ramirez, Ronald Acuna, Julio Rodriguez. I think they're all generally kind of in the same grouping of five category producers. But Trey Turner, he is just so elite. Plus, I mean, the fact that he's on the Dodgers right now, I would anticipate the Dodgers trying to bring him back. Uh, if they let him go, then they're just going to have to go out and get another you know, great shortstop from somewhere. I can't see them plugging in Gavin Lux or something like that at the position. I, I would I would anticipate that they would either go for Trey Turner or another big-name shortstop, a Correa or whoever, Bogarts, Dansby Swanson. I think that they'll try and ret- retain Trey Turner, but let's say he goes somewhere else. He's not going to go to a star. He's not going to Oakland or something. Uh, he's certainly not going back to the Nationals or the Pirates or any of those teams. He's going to go to a good team if he leaves. So I don't think we're going to see much of a fall-off there maybe we see the um, the home runs and the stolen bases. Well, specifically, I think we could see the stolen bases tick back up. Uh, actually, listening to Bench with Bubba yesterday, they made a great point, uh, Bubba in the Bloom, actually, with Ryan Bloomfield, that he didn't really need to be stealing as much this year, Trey Turner, because you know the team is just so incredibly efficient offensively. There's no need to risk getting thrown out on the base paths when everybody in the lineup is capable of driving you in. And we saw it, uh, 101 runs, 100 RBIs for Trey Turner, he stole 27 bases still. I mean, maybe he leaves. He goes to a team that doesn't have quite the same depth in the lineup. He steals a little bit more, perhaps. But I think in the 25 home run, 25 steal, 100 run, 100 RBI, generally maybe the RBIs, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe the RBIs tick down a little bit if he goes to another team. But I think in that you know 80 to 100 range is probably fairly acceptable. And then he's going to bat somewhere around 300. He was almost at 330 last season. He fell almost 30, or actually he fell exactly 30 points, and he was only down to 298 for this year. So, I mean, there's really nothing at all that you could possibly worry about with Trey Turner. He's just going to go back to having shortstop eligibility next season, which is something we'll get into more on our shortstop breakdowns next week. But that's not something that's going to make me not want to draft him. I think if you have the number one pick, the clear choice as of right now for me is going to be Trey Turner. Coming in at number two here, we have Jose Ramirez, and we actually got some news about him uh, just, I believe, yesterday or maybe it was late Wednesday that he's going to have surgery on his hand in the next couple of weeks. I believe it's his thumb, and it's something that gave him a bit of grief down the stretch here in the second half. And just according to the Yahoo write-up they have here that comes from, uh, I believe it comes from Roto World, before the injury this year, he was slashing 305, 397, 642, insanity. And then after the injury, 264, 329, 437. I mean, it's still evened out to being, you know, he was the sixth-ranked fantasy player. He batted 280, 29 homers, 126 driven in. He was still fantastic. But this is maybe, uh, you know, shows us why he wasn't so great down the stretch. So with Jose Ramirez, this is something he has the whole offseason to recover from. I'm not worried about him having, you know, the same kind of value that he had this season, which is top five, or I guess he was six, but he's a top five fantasy player now for the last couple of seasons no reason for me to think that that's going to change the really impressive thing about Jose Ramirez is that and I put it in the write-up here that he does it without really much help there's no I mean there's guys who help in that lineup you know this year he had help from Quan and Jimenez and Naylor but they're not the greatest offense they don't have any other big name pieces around him and he's still just able to produce just absolute incredible production from Jose Ramirez every single year the thing that's always got me with him, really, is that he's a bit of a heavier guy. He's a little bit stocky, and he's always stolen bases. It's it's really cool to see that out of a guy who's a bit of a bigger fella, and he's still able to steal 20-plus bases every year. 
No question for me. He's going to go top three. Maybe top absolute latest would be like top five. He's consensus going to be a top five pick. I have him here at number two. I think that that's a totally reasonable spot for Jose Ramirez at this point. Number three, I might have him a little bit higher than some other people, but it's Ronald Acuna Jr. I think you could make a case for him at 101. He's got the 40-40 skill set that we know of. He's not even 25 years old yet. Another year removed from that ACL injury, and I think we'll see the power numbers start to come back. And this is something else that I'd put in the, in the, in the write-up here. As of right now, he is my very early pick to win the MVP next season. I think Fernando Tatis Jr. might have something to say about that. We'll get to him later on in this list. But I see Acuna at the top of that lineup, another year removed from injury, really having a crazy year next season. Maybe some people, I mean, I've seen some people, they have him ranked like seven, six, eight kind of range. Uh, totally fair. You know, you're a little bit worried about the power, which wasn't really there. Uh, 15 home runs in 467 at-bats is not what he is capable of. Last season, we saw him at 24 home runs in 297 at-bats. He is, like, there is a legitimate chance that he could be a 50 home run guy at some point in his career. We're still talking about a 24 year old. He'll be 25 next season. I don't think we've seen peak Ronald Acuna yet. I think next season we'll see him take another step forward. Hopefully he'll be healthy the whole year and we'll probably see some pretty exciting things right now. As of right now, I think that he is going to be the national league MVP. Fernando Tatis is the other guy who's I think in that conversation, but as of now, uh, Acuna is my guy. Number four is Julio Rodriguez. Now, he's just behind the other three guys, mainly for me. I've seen some people talk about him as 101. I think that's a little ridiculous, honestly, to draft a guy who's only played one season in his sophomore year to draft him at number one would be a little bit much for me. His, his skill set is fantastic. He had 28 homers, 25 steals, and he batted 284. For me, I have him behind the other guys specifically because I value track record a little bit more. If a guy has done it even for two seasons as opposed to one, uh, the more you have to look at in terms of previous season stat lines to go off of, uh, the more I trust it. Not that I don't trust Julio, but I would never take him over Trey Turner or Jose Ramirez or Ronald Acuna. Uh, there's no draft where I would do that. Assuming all of them are healthy, I'm, I'm a track record guy. I think a lot of people are. You take the chance on the rookie – Maybe he has a bit of a sophomore slump next season, and then you've used the first-round pick on somebody who's... I don't think he'll be bad by any means, but I don't think he'll be quite in that same group as the top three. Maybe I'm wrong. Uh, he could still finish as the number one player. That's that's totally possible. He does have that skill set. He could be 30-30. He could be 40-40. Never seen it before, but he could be 50-50 at some point in his career. Like He is incredible. That lineup around him is really good. I think they'll just keep improving on it. And I think four, the four slot, makes a lot of sense for Julio. It could be a little bit higher, could be a little bit lower, but this generally makes sense. These top four guys, I think they are the elite tier. I think, you know, even some guys below this are still in the elite tier, but I think this is like the super S tier number one grouping of guys who provide five categories who I'm not really worried about in terms of injury. These are the guys, I mean, Acuna... Eh, He's recovered now, so there's nothing really to worry about there. I mean, the ACL is still – there was still an injury there, which yeah, it's never great at that kind of age to have that kind of an injury. But I think all these guys that we've just mentioned here are going to be the four safest picks next season. Number five, I have Shohei Otani. And this one is a little bit tricky because the different formats, different leagues have him – it's very different. If you're playing on ESPN – 
then he is both players combined into one. You can only start one at a time, I believe. But it's, um, yeah, so you can start, and it's for daily changes especially. So, like, you start him in the batting lineup five, six days a week or whatever it is, and then you send him out there the one day when he pitches. On ESPN, we talked about this in a tweet a while back. He was far and away the best fantasy player this season, and he should be your number one pick on ESPN next year. Now, in terms of Yahoo, he is two separate players. He is Otani batter and Otani pitcher. I didn't separate him out in terms of rankings for Otani batter, Otani pitcher, but they're both probably in the, oh God, it's, it's tough, but somewhere in the 15 to 30 kind of range, both of them, which is just stupid if you think about it. Two separate versions of the same dude are likely both, without a doubt, top 50 fantasy players, and then beyond that, I think it's a matter of opinion, but I think, you know, probably, let me just see this year, actually, their finishes over on Yahoo as separate entities, because we haven't really gotten into Otani. So as a batter, he was 19th. And as a pitcher, wow, he was 16th. He was a top 20 player in both versions of him. That's, that's crazy. That's, that's ridiculous. If you, if you have him combined as one, like ESPN, it's, it's so clear that he is the number one pick. If you're talking weekly settings like NFBC, you choose one or the other. Are you going to start him that week as a batter or are you going to start him that week as a pitcher? Now, in a two-start pitching week, which are fairly rare for Otani, uh, I think a lot of the time they try and give him six days in between starts. I'm actually not sure how many games he started. I don't think he missed any starts this year, although maybe there was like one or two. Uh, 20, he had 27 starts this season. So I'm not sure how many weeks there were where he actually pitched twice, but I think most of the time you're probably starting the batter there. He's not... I don't know. It feels crummy that you have to miss out on the production, but that's just, you know, the nature of the beast. It would be kind of too unfair to have him as both, which is kind of why ESPN, it's like it's if you have Otani, it's a little bit OP. It's kind of hard to lose, uh, assuming you pick Otani first overall. And he does what he did these last two seasons. He's a very hard player to rank. I have him fifth here, but it really depends on your format. I think this is generally just this kind of felt right, the five slot, if you're factoring in all the different formats and the different ways Otani is positioned or eligible, I guess, depending on your site. He's, he's very tough to nail down, but this feels generally right. Let's move on to number six. And we've already gone through 15 minutes here, guys, and I've gone through five players. So that just, you know, if we want to do 50 players all today. It would not go well. We'll see. I, I don't want to go too far beyond half an hour, so we'll see how, how long or how many different shows this ends up getting broken up into. But like we said earlier, we're in no rush. We have a long, long offseason ahead of us. Let's keep it going, though. Aaron Judge. I have Aaron Judge at number six. I'll probably have him lower than most people will next season. I think I've, I've seen a lot of people talk about him as one or two. And uh, I, I don't know. Like, are we going to expect this again next season? 60-plus home runs, 15-plus steals. And what did he bat, 311 or something? I'm a little bit cautious about projecting exactly that. I think that he can go for 50 home runs again. Like, is he going to break the record again next season for home runs? I'd be very surprised by that. Last year, he played mostly a full season, 148 games. He had 39. I think the, the real number is going to lie somewhere between 39 and 62. I think 45 to 50 is probably correct. In terms of the steals, he had six last season. In terms of like the previous high before that was nine in 2017, which was his rookie year. 16 kind of came out of the blue. He was caught three times, and I think most of the year he was, like, perfect. He hadn't been caught at all, and I think down the stretch he got caught a couple of times here. 
I love Aaron Judge as a fantasy player, not so much as a baseball fan. And with, you know, my Blue Jays are a big rival of his Yankees. But as a fantasy player, he is incredible. I think that he's just going to be overdrafted a little bit next season. You're going to take him over somebody like Acuna, like Ramirez. Maybe some people will take him over Turner. I don't understand it. I don't think that there is that same kind of fantasy upside year in, year out because of the steals. The steals, the home runs, they're not going to be quite the same number that we saw last season. It's just not going to be the case. It's too high of a number to really reach every single year. And really, everything he did. Everything is going to come down next year. I'll tell you right now. 133 runs scored. He's not doing that again. 62 homers, 131 ribbies. Like, I'd, I'd expect literally across the board for him to come down a little bit. And that's not the bash on him at all. It's just he reached incredible heights this season that will be kind of hard to attain again. <clears throat> so if you're in the middle of the first round, I think he's pretty safe. But if you are dealt the one, two, or three, or even four pick, I don't think I'd be taking him. I think that there are some safer options who can give you the whole, <clears throat> the whole five-category production, which I know it sounds stupid this year. Judge was the ultimate five-category producer but it'll be very hard for him to reach those heights again in any of the categories, let alone in all of them. So he's somebody I'm going to be a little bit lower on than consensus, probably still very high. I still think he's going to be elite, obviously top of the first round kind of talent, but I wouldn't go for him quite as number one or number two. Let's move on now to number seven. That's Kyle Tucker. I'm a big fan of Kyle Tucker. We saw this year again what he can do. 30 home runs, 107 ribbies, 25 steals. His batting average suffered a little bit. It went down to 257. It was 294 last year. But he also struggled out of the gate. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember in April, I think even into May, his batting average was sub 200. He was a huge buy low early in the season. Some people were, I don't think people were actually cutting him, but people were like, uh, should I cut Kyle Tucker kind of things were going around Twitter. No, obviously not. He was fantastic. He just needed some time to settle in this year. I think with Kyle Tucker, you can expect top 10 kind of fantasy production from him. That slump at the beginning of the year kept the batting average down to 257, but it was 294 in 2021. We saw the steals jump from 14 to 25. I don't think he's going to jump too much higher than that, but you know, roughly 20, 25 steals with 30 home runs and 100 RBIs. He's only going to be 26 next season, and in that lineup, we could see him take an even bigger jump. So Kyle Tucker, not much hard-hitting analysis needs to be given here. I think this is a very fair spot. Number seven, some people might pick him a little bit lower. He finishes a 23rd overall player this year. But if he hadn't struggled out of the gate, we might have seen him return first-round value. So there's no, there's no real worry for me with drafting Kyle Tucker. Number eight, we have Juan Soto. Now, he was disappointing this season, and I put in the article, quote-unquote, down year, but he had 27 home runs, and he walked more than 20% of the time. Now he's going to be entering a full season with Fernando Tatis and Manny Machado. The counting stats should be stupidly ridiculous. I think all three of those guys can't, well, maybe it's going to be hard to do, but I think all three of them can go for 100 runs and 100 RBIs. I'd like to see that happen. I think it's very much possible. Uh, you should see the batting average climb back up around 300. He had a bad BABIP all year. Uh, and, you know, I was thinking about this. There should be some kind of discount on Juan Soto because this is pretty close to where he was being drafted last year. I think his ADP was around five. And I've seen a couple people do rankings early on. He's not, you know, somebody getting pushed down very far here. I think we all kind of realized that that was just, you know, a little bit of a slump for Juan Soto. He's still so young. Uh, it was, I mean, it was, it was a bad season. For his standards, it was a bad season. But for most people, it would be a career year. 27 home runs. They walk 20%. Walking 20% of the time is just ridiculous. 
I mean, if you're in a non-base percentage league, you probably draft him even higher than this. I think it's Chris Clegg over at uh, Fantrax who does the OBP rankings. I think they're more so for Dynasty, but it's hard for me to see anybody being ahead of Juan Soto in those kind of formats. I'm not at all worried here. There's no discount, but it's because we're all kind of expecting uh, a huge bounce back from him next season. So Juan Soto at number eight, that one I don't think is going to move around too much. I think maybe some players will move around him here a little bit. uh, Well, I'm going to do these rankings again, and we'll see. Maybe I'll split up Otani. You know, maybe Julio moves up a spot or two. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the top four move around a little bit. Maybe Judge and Otani flip-flop kind of thing. But Juan Soto, I I feel pretty damn confident that he's going to be in this spot. Maybe up one, maybe down one. But this this is right around correct for Juan Soto. Let's get into the first real true pitcher on the list. No offense to Otani, but this is our first starting pitcher, uh, our first pitcher that's only a pitcher. Corbin Burns. I think I have more faith in him than in any other pitcher going forward that he can have a sub-3 ERA, 200 innings, and about 250 strikeouts. If you're going to go with a starting pitcher in the first round, I'd go with Corbin Burns. Now, there's a couple other guys we're going to talk about here. The next guys that I have, in terms of starting pitchers and how I have them ranked, I have McClanahan, I have DeGrom, and then I have Garrett Cole. I think I feel more safe with Burns than I do with any of these other guys. We'll get to McClanahan in a second, but we're going to talk about Manny Machado first and round up the top 10 because he is the number 10 ranked player on my list. Fresh off a top 10 fantasy season, you know exactly what Machado is going to give you. 30 homers, 100 RBIs, a 300 average, and somewhere in the neighborhood of 10 steals. Now, we just talked about this with Soto, but you add Tatis back into that mix. I mean, that lineup is going to be really scary. Those top three guys... Could all be top 10 fantasy players realistically, and I would not be surprised. So Manny Machado, top 10 pick, absolutely I would be taking him here if you can get him. Maybe he falls a little bit lower than this, but I think probably you're going to see him go end of the first round, and that'll generally for me that makes a lot of sense, end of the first round here for Manny Machado. Now Shane McClanahan, he is the second pitcher I have ranked. I expect him to just keep building off of what he's done. I think it was 125, 120-ish innings last year, and then 166 this year. I think we see him push up a little bit more, maybe 185, 180, 185. A couple of rough starts in September against Blue Jays and the Astros. It kind of was it for him all year. I think it was only three, maybe four starts the entirety of the season where he allowed more than three earned runs. And realistically, you look at his numbers for this season – he could be a Cy Young winner. If, if you were looking back on the history books and you saw that this was a Cy Young season, you would not say that's wrong. I'm just pulling up the numbers here uh, for Shane McClanahan. I just have them up here. Yahoo can be very weird sometimes. But anyway, 254 ERA. He had 194 strikeouts and 166 innings. A .93 whip. It was a, a Cy Young caliber season for Shane McClanahan. So I, I think that it's pretty safe to say if you're – Maybe you really want to take a pitcher early on. Burns is gone. Or maybe you even want to push him ahead of Burns. I personally wouldn't. I think Burns is safer to go uh, deeper into games more often. And I think that he'll throw more innings over the course of the season. But on a per-inning basis, Shane McClanahan, the dude is incredible. And we saw it this season firsthand. No risk. Well, no risk. No problem for me uh, drafting him kind of end of the first, beginning of the second range. I have him here at 11. He's somebody who might move up and down a touch, but I think this is generally correct. Uh, the turn of the first and the second round. To close out the first round, if we're talking standard 12-teamers here, is Bo Bichette. 
And the last month of the season, he killed any discount that he had given us throughout this season that we would have had heading into next year's drafts. And I talked about it on the pod a little bit throughout the season that I was really going to be excited to draft Obichet in the third round, maybe in the fourth round. Like, it was, it was a tough year. And then the final month of the season, he batted 406, seven homers, 27 ribbies, and he stole four bases. So I've put him here at number 12. Some people might think that's a little bit too high, but last year I think his ADP was four. He was one of those top five consensus players going into last season. And he is a five-category stud in a fantastic lineup. He's only a shortstop. It's pretty deep position, so maybe you wouldn't want to take a shortstop so high unless you're going to go with uh, with Trey Turner. He might be your dude. But I think Bo Bichette gives you discounted Trey Turner kind of stuff. Not going to be the same level batting average. Not going to be the same amount of steals. But it's it's similar enough. He's that type of build. And I think going forward, uh, you know, he's still a guy who is 23, Bo Bichette. It's, I think he's 23 years old. Uh, 24, actually. He's 24 years old. These guys still have a couple years to really grow into themselves. We've already seen Bo put together a top five fantasy season. And even after a disappointing, quote-unquote disappointing season this year, he still finished out as the 20th ranked player. So no question for me that Bo Bichette should still be considered one of the elite names in fantasy. And going at the end of the first round next year, I would jump on him there. Freddie Freeman at number 13. I think we'll go 15 today, guys. I think 15 is, is going to w- make sense here. Uh, Freddie Freeman, another top five fantasy season for him. I don't know exactly what the stat line is going to look like for him. It's bound to vary a little bit. It did this year to last year. He had fewer home runs, more RBIs, uh, you know, more steals, higher batting average. It, you know he's going to give you value. It's just where that value is going to come from, whether it's the home runs or some steals or counting stats or whatever it is you know that Freddie Freeman is going to provide value. So I have him here at 13. I think some people will take him in the first round, and I'd be totally okay with that. Another kind of deep fantasy position in first base. Uh, but there's there's no worry for me with taking Freddie Freeman. He is about as safe of a pick as you're going to find early on in this range here. Uh, specifically, I think he's just about as good of a first baseman as we're going to have uh, in this range. Somebody else is going to come up. We'll talk about him tomorrow. Uh, well, I'll just tell you now. It's Vlad Guerrero Jr. I have him at 16, a couple spots below. Uh, I have Freddie Freeman at 13. I think they're both very safe picks, but I would have Freddie just a touch above because that lineup is just so ridiculous. We saw Freeman this year with good steals. Now, maybe they don't stick, those 13 steals. Likely they don't, but he should still be able to give you close to 10. And maybe Vladdy gives you 10. I think that's possible as well. But I think Freddie Freeman is a slightly safer pick here. At number 14, I have Jacob deGrom. And he's another guy who is incredibly hard to place. Like, if he starts 30 games, then he's going to be the number one overall fantasy player. I don't care if Judge hits 65, 70 home runs. What DeGrom can give you on a per-game basis is just simply stupid. There's nobody like him. I've never seen anybody like him. Like, maybe, you know, in my lifetime, Prime Kershaw was the only guy who I can think of who was in the, in the same realm as Jacob DeGrom and grew up watching... Roger Clemens, uh, you know, Roy Halladay, Randy Johnson, Pedro Martinez. It's really hard to say that DeGrom is any worse than any of those guys. And we saw it this year in 64 innings. He was the 121st ranked fantasy player. And just for context, I kind of want to just go to who was ranked around him uh, in that range. And these are according to Yahoo. I know a lot of people use Rasball, but we're just looking at Yahoo here. So 
who were some starting pitchers who were ranked below him, who threw a whole kind of season? Logan Gilbert was ranked below him. Merrill Kelly was ranked below him. These guys had like 130-ish innings on DeGrom, and he had a higher ranking than they did. Uh, Luis Garcia for Houston. Uh, who's another starter here who he was ranked above? Kevin Gosman. Like, uh, that one kind of surprised me a little bit, but yeah, Kevin Gosman. Uh, like, it's just incredible the amount of value he has in such, such a short amount of time. Like, 64 innings, 102 Ks, a 308 ERA. The big thing here as well is the whip, 0.75. Now, he did struggle, give up some home runs down the stretch. Wasn't the greatest uh, those last few starts. But if he's healthy, DeGrom is going to be elite. The thing that has me ranking him at 14 is the risk of injury. Now, I just told you, at 64 innings, he was fantastic. And that risk of injury has me bring him down, but not down so, so much. I think 64 innings, he missed a long time last year. He's going to enter the season, I mean, knock on wood as I'm going to say this, hopefully healthy. I think 64 innings, I mean, he should be able to throw more than that. Even if he gets hurt, middle of the season, throws you 100, kind of something like, something like that, 100 innings, he should still be a top 75 fantasy player. Worst, worst, absolute worst case scenario. I think that he's like a top 75 fantasy player. Putting him at 14, it feels a little low and it feels a little high all at the same time. There is certainly a lot of risk, but when he's out there, he is the best pitcher in baseball. So, I mean, Jacob deGrom... If you're in the second round and he's there, I think that he is worth the risk. And I think a lot of the time he will be in the second round. Taking him in the first is going to be very risky for people. Uh, right here, I think, is generally where he's going to go, middle of the se- early middle second round. And I think you have to take a chance just on the upside. Mookie Betts, he's the last guy we're going to talk about today, number 15. I thought I might be able to get through 25, but that was probably a little bit too ambitious of me knowing the way that I ramble on here. We'll stop at 15. We'll pick it up on Monday. Mookie Betts, another big year for him. He's going to be a very safe draft pick heading into next season. I'm a big fan of Mookie Betts. He doesn't give you the, quite the same levels of production that he did in Boston when he was stealing you know, close to like 30 bags. Uh, he was hitting well over 300. He batted 269 this year after batting 264 last season. <clears throat> we saw him at 35 home runs. He scored 117. Uh, he drove in 82. He stole 12 bases. He's still fantastic. He just doesn't quite get up to those numbers that he did in Boston anymore when he was like a number one fantasy player. He's still, I mean, he finished ninth last season. I have him at 15. I think that he is going to be a solid pick in the, you know, even late first round, if you want to take him late first round. Beginning of the second, I think that that makes a lot of sense for Mookie Betts. I can't say enough about the Dodgers. I can't say enough about the Braves. Those guys are going to be featured here quite a bit, Dodgers and Braves players. we got a lot of Braves coming up. I'll give you, like, if you guys haven't seen the article, I'll quickly just go through the next few names here that we're going to touch on on Monday. It's Vladdy at 16, Jordan at 17, Garrett Cole at 18, Bobby Witt at 19, Fernando Tatis Jr. at 20. It's all on the website. It's all on Twitter. You guys can go see these write-ups, which is going to be the basis for these next couple shows. I don't know what I was thinking, assuming I could get through 50 guys in one show yesterday. That was a little too ambitious. Even 25, I mean, maybe I could push it and go like an hour today. But off-season, I know baseball is not the top of people's minds right now. We're still in the postseason, but the fantasy off-season. So I'm trying to just make the shows roughly half an hour so that they're not, you know, too, too long for you guys right now. Because they are every single day. Those of you who listen every day, I really appreciate that. But I also don't want to take up too, too much of the day right now. So that will do it for us. 
we will continue on on Monday. I think Monday and Tuesday uh, will probably, yeah, I think Monday and Tuesday we'll continue with the rankings. And then uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday we'll do shortstop. That makes sense. I think, you know, sometimes we just come up with ideas while we're recording here. I think that one makes probably the most sense. And then the week after that we'll pick up with, you know, the outfield or pitching or I think, you know, I think we'll go outfield and then pitching. Yeah, just trying to play it by ear a little bit here in the offseason. We have so much time. And you know, I've mentioned this roughly, I mean, a week ago. And it comes from Dan Baspris, the host of our basketball podcast. This is pretty much the same kind of outline as Curb Your Enthusiasm, as a Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. We know the rough points we want to hit, the general plot line of the episode, and then we kind of just fill it in along the way. So I appreciate you guys sticking in here for the offseason and helping me fill in these cracks. Uh, we're, we're, we're figuring out 2023 slowly, and by the time the season has come around, once we get into January, February, March, and we're drafting our teams, I'm thinking that we're going to be pretty confident in uh, gauging value for next season because we're starting very early. We're going to peel back the onion one bit at a time here over these next six months. Guys, go download and subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Apple, Google, Spotify, wherever you hear us. Check us out over on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and at EthosFantasyBB, specifically EthosFantasyBB. That's where we're going to post out all of our content throughout this offseason. Guys, we will see you on Monday. Enjoy the weekend. And cheers. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.